from LPL Financial. Welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and welcome to this week's edition of LPL Market Signals Podcast. Uh, today, I'm out with my good friend and colleague, Ryan Dietrich. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, John. How are you doing over there post-Super Bowl? Yeah, big game yesterday, right? That's what I think they call it, right? Tottenham beat game. Manchester City 2-0. Oh, <laughs> missed that one. That's right. <laughs> so who did who do you think was going to win? And in, in, we'll talk about this Super Bowl. I don't know too much about soccer. Who do you think was sure. going to win last night? Um, my heart wanted uh, Andy Reid to win it. Mm-hmm. You know, just been too long, been a good guy for a long time. Obviously, my namesake is GM for the That's 49ers, right. and his wife is named Linda, just like mine. But he's got about 100 pounds on me. But nonetheless, yeah, I was glad to see Kansas City. And for our good friend, Jeff Bookbinder, who, yes. who's a big Kansas City fan, who's Jeff, from there. Jeff said his dad, he said this on a podcast before, his dad's had season tickets for, I think, decades. That's right. So, That's right. Um, I had lunch with Jeff last week. I was up in Boston for a minute, and we had lunch. He mentioned he was born actually in New York area. I wasn't aware of that, but then moved to the Kansas City moved area. And grew up there, yeah. And grew up there. But yeah, my boys are huge Pat Mahomes fans. Honestly, I kind of wanted the Niners. I just like their defense, just nasty D. I kind of like that. But uh, it was a great game. The I mean, NFC Championship game. I mean, both sides of the line, they just controlled, yeah. Now, John, the other big news I heard you had a big date on Friday evening. Well, I don't know with if that's Linda? big news, but yeah, Linda and I went on a date Friday. <laughs> well, how'd it go? It was good. Good. Mm-hmm. We did dinner and a movie, you know, mm-hmm. quick little pizza and a movie. And uh, I want to see 1917, and mm-hmm. she wants to see Little Women. So we compromised and we saw Little Women. So <laughs> <laughs> good job. But a very good movie. Okay. I laughed. I cried. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see 1917. I can't say I want to see the other one. I did see ba- the recent Bad Boys. We don't need to get too into this. I thought it was great. I love that stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway, number one movie, a couple in- weeks in Intellectually row, so. challenging, stimulating, yeah, good hey, for you. you know, so we do, what we do is hard. Sometimes it's fun just Absolutely. to sit back and relax. But, John, maybe let, let's get into it. You know, what, yeah, what are we going to talk about this about week what we besides do hard. movies and football? <clears throat> Pardon me. Last week, yeah, very difficult. Friday, the market was down 600. Mm-hmm. You know, we started the week down 400, I guess. Then we kind of tried to stabilize during the course of the week but still finished up down about 2%. And uh, when we did our 90-second video, uh, Street View video for LPL Financial as well, and I talked about- Which you can find on our uh, YouTube channel. That's right, that's Mm -hmm. right. And uh, shameless self-promotion there. That's right. And uh, talked about three Cs, complacency, coronavirus, and possibility for correction. Mm -hmm. And coming into 2020, obviously, market was on a tear. We were up 15%, right, from the October low into early January. We hit new highs in January. The market was fairly valued, as we would deem it, uh, looking at the S&P 500 in that 3,250 to 3,300 range, even eclipsed that for a short while. Uh, mid-January. And then, uh, you know, it's interesting, impeachment wasn't enough to do it. The situation with Iran was enough to do it, but certainly the coronavirus was enough to uh, scare people when you think about uh, not only the, the scary headlines and the implications from a healthcare standpoint, but when you looked at some of the data, and we can get into that uh, shortly, you never want to be dismissive of the loss of human life, mm-hmm. but, you know, 60,000 people, 50, 60,000 people a year die in the flu in the U.S. alone, and right. it's probably four or five times that globally. Uh, but this is a different strain. But nonetheless, that was enough when you think about complacency, when we had very low put-to-call ratio, uh, higher-than-average forward 12-month price-to-earnings ratio for the market. A lot of the sentiment indicators you look at, bull bear scenario, they were all suggestive of complacency in the market. It looks like coronavirus was enough to pull it back. Yeah, it finally cracked things, did it not? You know, just um, about an hour and a half ago, I was on CNBC. Dawson came in and helped me with the... Uh, camera so thank you for that 
And, you know, they asked me, you know, oh, here's coronavirus, here's all the volatility. And, again, not to ignore, but we pointed this out last week, and I think it's so important to note again, we tied the longest streak since 1955 mm-hmm. on the S&P 500 without being down two days in a row. We went three and a half months without a 1% move either up or down on the S&P. We had three 1% moves last week. Mm-hmm. Volatility happens in a hurry. We were really spoiled. Absolutely. What we've seen. And let's be honest, we were a couple points away from being higher on the S&P in January. January. You were basically flat, yeah. yeah. And yet, that would have been a five-month win streak. I mean, we, you know, we were due for something. And let's not right. forget, you know, Brexit. Remember that? I mean, Brexit's actually That's happening. Right. It almost was like, I mean. It, it we was, had Brexit and the Fed. And the, <laughs> yeah, the Fed last week. It, it, Megxit literally got probably 100 times more press than Brexit did over the past two mm-hmm. weeks, which, I mean, it's probably some assumption, but it, it's amazing what, what people gravitate to. Uh, but you're right. It Finally, it being volatility, potentially a well-deserved correction or at least pullback, has started to take place. And let's not forget, it is February. Historically, February can be a little tricky. So, you know, the calendar maybe says maybe a little more volatility and pullback in February. Absolutely. And I, I think that would be healthy, right? Um, exactly. You and I get paid to worry, and uh, as much as we like a, a rising market, we also want to make mm-hmm. sure that uh, it's rising for the right reason and not just greater fool theory, fear of missing out, you know, things right. along those things, r- lines. So we got to be very careful there. And I just think, you know, we're only down, you know, this is Monday morning as we're taping this. We're down maybe 3% from the January 17th peak. Right. So it's a lot of volatility, but it's only 3%. And then the Chinese market opened this morning down 7 or 8%, but they were closed for a week, so they really needed to catch up with a lot of the ETFs that we had, that were still open last week. So while, you know, waking up seeing the Chinese market down 7 or 8% could initially be scary if you look at the perspective that they missed all the fun last week, so they were, or maybe they were having their own. Not <laughs> the necessarily fun, though. Stuck they're, in their they're, houses, they're stuck right? in their house wearing yeah. masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, now the market's back open again. Uh, you know, you had to have that pricing in. I, th- I was very encouraged to see Europe, uh, right. and then uh, Europe up. You know, mid morning, and then uh, U.S. futures being positive. So I think that was a healthy develop healthy development as we shake out some of this complacency. But three percent isn't really consistent with your classic pullback, right? You need to see anywhere from five mm-hmm. to seven percent. You could see three, four, five, six of those a year. So mm-hmm. we, we've got a bit of way to go. But it looked moving past complacency, looking at the coronavirus. That's yes. our uh, topic for our weekly market commentary that Jeff Bookbinder and I worked on. Well, you were uh, another big week of travel for you last week. And uh, what we tried to do there is just provide some perspective relative to how the market performs during previous instances, whether you think of SARS, bird flu, Zika, Ebola. And then the big one was swine flu, right? 200,000 people died globally from the swine flu. But all the others, you tend to see positive stock returns, right? No, you're right, John. And in this week's weekly market commentary, like you said, you guys called it assessing coronavirus outbreak. And, you know, when you took a look, I mean, it's amazing. Three months after SARS, now this is March 2003, near a major low. S&P is up 24%. Um, in October 2005, bird flu, S&P three months later up 2%. Swine flu, April 2009, again near a generational low. Nonetheless, S&P up 8% three months later. Ebola up 5% three months later. Then Zika, which killed zero people, um, up 6% later. Three or 6% later, right? three months later. Um, it must be Monday morning. I'm mixing up my words. Sorry well, you got up this. early to do CNBC. That's true. That's true. But yeah, the bottom line there so you is... your makeup caked all over your face. You <laughs> may want to chisel that exactly off later. right. Yeah, I did TV in New York, and they put all the makeup on you. It was funny. I, I look beautiful, by the way. But anyway, um, when you get down to it, John, it comes down to if the economy's doing well, like we talked about with Iran, we talked about in these times before. You can have pullbacks. Believe me, like right. you said, we had a 7% correction last year. That's all we had peak to trough. It's... 
very likely in an election year we'll probably have more of a 7% correction mm -hmm. at some point this year. Um, and tends to be from February until about July, August is when you get that volatility. Usually the last couple of months of an election year are pretty solid, so we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see. But this is when you're in a troublesome area. But the economy is still good. I know we're going to talk about the economy, but the ISM number for manufacturing just came in right before we started recording this at 50.9, expansionary, well above what anyone expected. So the end of the world isn't coming quite yet, at least in the manufacturing world. Absolutely. And in manufacturing, before I get to manufacturing yes. again, you talked about the, the three-month data relative to those five examples we used with SARS, bird flu, swine flu, Ebola, and Zika viruses. You, you focused on the three-month trade. That was purely but random. Right, I, I know. Done anything but I, I just yeah. thought I'd clarify, if you mm -hmm. look at six months, yeah. you were basically looking at SARS, 27%, S&P was higher six months after. Mm -hmm. The World Health Organization called it an emergency. Okay, that's when, you know, really push came to shove. Right. SARS was up 27% six months later. Bird flu was up, what, five? Swine flu was up 30. Ebola, six. Zika, 12. So let's do a quick math on that. Call it 30, 60. Call it 75 divided by five. You know, back of the envelope calculation, average return six months out, call it 15% mm -hmm. six months later. So I think that's something to keep in mind just as, uh, again, don't want to be as dismissive, don't want to be dismissive of the lost human life and all, all the, the scary uh, things out there relative to pandemics. But we do want to point out that historically the market tends to recover. And as investors see a day like 600 down on the Dow last Friday, I think that's something to keep in mind. And then you get a benefit of positive fundamentals like the right. manufacturing question you just asked me. And I think it's fascinating that manufacturing did print the ISM, Institute for Supply Management printed a north of 50 this morning very, very positive development because we're starting to see a bottom in global leading indicators. Uh, seeing the the print of 50 on ISM mm -hmm. for, for last month, I cannot stress the importance of that because we are in the doldrums of Boeing's uh, production cuts. And that in and of itself could be responsible for two or three points on this alone. So right. if you took Boeing out, I imagine we could see something like a 52, 53 print. So a very important number on ISM this morning. And it does feel like just yesterday we talked about that where the number the previous month came in around 48. If you take out Boeing, it's up over 50. So now we've officially gone up over 50, even including Boeing. The one thing, John, when I was reading about, you know, the epidemic and now pandemic that's taking place uh, globally was the size of China now versus then. China was, I'm going to use air quotes, only 4% of global GDP in 2003 with SARS. China's up to 17% global GDP. So right there, you know, should make you pause a little bit. Like, oh boy, they're, they're a lot more significant. And the right. fact that people are literally staying in their house for a couple of weeks, it sounds like, and now mm -hmm. people are finally, you know, the holiday is over and people are going to want to start traveling. I don't know if they're going to be allowed to. But 17% of global GDP, that, you know, what are those four most dangerous words? It's different this time. Right. At the same time, boy, oh, boy, that's different this yeah, time. it could be more impactful this time. Absolutely. Exactly, and that's what mm -hmm. we need to keep in mind and recognize because it really comes down to supply chain disruption. Uh, I think because of Lunar New Year, I think people are kind of expecting a little less output. But if, if this goes a couple more weeks, mm -hmm. not only if you have factory shutdowns for another couple of weeks, that affects global supply chain. Then you have limited travel if the airlines stop flying. Then you see the hotels, right? And then you yep. see, you know, the gaming stocks are always a good way to kind of get a handle. Watching the way Hong Kong traded last week, you know, you, you just have to pay really close attention to where 
where risk lies. And, uh, you know, if the gaming index starts to turn, that tends to be a good lead indicator for the rest of the market, rest of the Asian stocks, if you will. Uh, but it's a little, still, little too early to tell just yet. No, exactly. Those leisure stocks, I guess what we'll call it, they mm -hmm. were absolutely, here in the U.S. markets, one of the hardest hit, and globally they were hit as well. Mm -hmm. So, John, what, um, you know, I don't have any other further comments on Corona. We're watching it very closely. Um, you know, just again, to put it in perspective, 25,000 people in the United States have passed away from the flu since October. Like you said, most seasons, you tend to see 50, 50 to 60, yeah, yeah. and you know, globally significantly higher number, but put it in perspective as of the time we were recording this about 365 70 people have passed away from the coronavirus over a one month period so a lot of numbers i just said there but put it in perspective it's significant but boy the common flu seems like it it's a little Absolutely. more significant exactly so i think that the big deal now is to your point about china being more impactful to global mm -hmm. growth and we'll have to look at supply disruptions travel china did announce stimulus yet again so yes, this is the second right. stimulus injection in five weeks mm -hmm. uh, then you have phase one of uh, the trade deal so there are some fundamental underpinnings to help offset what are now we'll call it headline concerns because they haven't really trickled down yet from the factory shutdowns to a supply chain disruption but the next couple of weeks will be very telling and well you know the Final C, we talk about complacency in coronavirus, but does this set the stage for a correction? And it could very well, uh, even though the market opened on Monday morning very strong, um, I think we should be mindful of the fact that you know 5 to 7%. looks like there's good support on the S&P 500. We got to about 3,300. Mm -hmm. But if you get to, what, call it 3,050 to 3,100, yes. that would be mm -hmm. about an 8% pullback, 7, 8%. And I think that, quite frankly, could be a healthy development. There's good technical support at 3,000. Right. 3,000. 3, yeah, mm -hmm. so we'll have to... Uh, just look at that range, and it's not just the round number type thing, right? It is uh, what had been once resistance to bust through that 3,000 area. We have three, four, five examples on the charts uh, that is now support for the market going forward. Oh, exactly. So to wrap it up, you know, go to LPL.com. You can click, uh, scroll down just a little bit where we have the weekly market commentary. And you can read our recent weekly market commentary assessing coronavirus outbreak. But, you know, getting to the correction, John, like you said, looking at the Super Bowl, History would tell us that when an AFC team wins, the stock market doesn't do quite as well. Now, mm -hmm. disclaimer, we are not saying anyone should ever invest in this, but it's kind of one of those it is what it is where right. markets seem to do a lot better when the NFC wins. Also, if the Niners would have won, it would have been their sixth Super Bowl, tying them with the Steelers and the Pats. But the average S&P gain the year that the um, 49ers have won a Super Bowl those five times, 19%. Actually, the third best annual return. I'm out of any of the 20 Super Bowl teams. This is interesting. 53 won a Super Bowl, but only 20 teams have done it because some teams win it more than once. Unfortunately, as a Bengal fan, I'd have no idea what that's like, but some that's teams right. do win it more than once. So anyway, so it's kind more of a playful one. Not. Yeah, we wrote about it on our blog on Friday, LPLResearch.com, but that's maybe a reason for a correction. No, it's not. I'm teasing. But well, uh, other than the AFC winning the Super Bowl, what else can we look at? We've got it. <clears throat> pardon me. Get so choked up yes, talking about do. this stuff. Um we obviously had the good print on ISM manufacturing mm -hmm. this morning. We'll get what we would characterize, spoiler alert, a good print on services, right? We, we've been mm -hmm. seeing yeah. 55 or so, and that, that comes out this Wednesday. Fourth quarter earnings are coming in basically flat to down 1%, but I think it's more important for investors. When you see a market that's up by a third last year, almost a third, call it, yep. and earnings were essentially flat last year, earnings and growth have to catch up with the market. So to the degree which I've been very pleased, the few conference calls I've 
dialed into and the many notes that I've read on some of the others that I couldn't dial into, what I find most promising is that corporate guidance is a lot better. So to the degree that guidance is better than actual earnings, I take comfort in that because that shows that the economy and corporate profitability can actually catch up right. to what the market has done, particularly in the fourth quarter of last year. And to the degree the fourth quarter gains were really pulled forward from 2020, uh, that also is a positive development. No, you're right. And you, you've said it before. Whereas last year, 2019, we had a really good stock gains and not such a good economy. Maybe the economy picks up a little bit more on the earnings front specifically um, in 2020, but stock gains aren't quite as strong. Um, you know, what about the Fed? You know, the Fed came yeah. out last week, probably one of the least anticipated, least hyped up Fed meetings we've seen in quite some time. Fed pretty much said they're still on hold, right? That's what we've expected. Now, what I'm seeing is Fed fund futures are looking for two 25 basis point cuts this year in 2020. That's a lot different than what most of us expected, <laughs> gee whiz, just two weeks ago, yeah. let alone six six months ago. I mean, do you really think they can cut twice? I, I mean, a cutting Fed is usually a tailwind, but I think we'd rather they kind of stay still, wouldn't we? You know, people think, and I'm asked constantly, how hard is it to forecast the stock market? It is hard, but I'll say it's exponentially easier than trying to forecast interest rates, mm -hmm. <laughs> particularly right. after the Fed has been printing money for 10 years. The fact that we could actually, you know, Fed fund futures are now doing what, June and, uh, June and September? I believe that's correct, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Stunning. And then you look at interest rates, right? Uh, the rate differentials. Call the 10-year around 150, maybe 152 mm -hmm. uh, as of this taping. The German boond is what? Negative 40. Mm -hmm. The JGB, the Japanese government bond, might be negative 7 or 8. Uh, those interest rate differentials. Huge. Yeah. The, yeah and mm -hmm. the Fed's mandate officially are, is twofold, right? It is inflation and employment. And uh, we don't have inflation, and we have full employment. So check, check. They're doing a good job there. But when you look at what that means, the global interest rate differential, and what that means for currency, which is not part of the Fed's mandate, but they have to keep an eye on it, I would not be long the dollar here because we're really right. looking at a situation where market interest rates have to come down <laughs> given what global rates are. Uh, I don't think they need to do two Fed fund futures. I want to emphasize right. very, very volatile forecasting tends to be very emotional as well. Uh, but yeah, we could see a cut later on this year, particularly as in our 2020 outlook, we talked about the possibility, gave a one in three chance for weakness in the fourth quarter and the first quarter mm -hmm. as everyone just taps out from consumption and investment because they're just tired of hearing how bad things are from both parties, right? And that could cause uh, some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy type uh, economic uh, scenario. But right now you get Good guidance from corporations. You get a Federal Reserve that appears to be on the, the sidelines. And if coronavirus or if something else, impeachment, uh, any of the uh, usual suspects, uh, dragged out phase two deal, anything that causes uh, a problem for the economy of the markets, you know, Powell said the Fed, the Fed is standing at the ready just in case. Yeah, we've only got a couple more minutes, John. And interestingly, the short end of the curve did invert. The three-month tenure did invert last month. And remember, or I'm sorry, last week. I remember it was in the middle of last year when that happened, and you, one could say kind of forced the Fed's hand for those three 25 basis point cuts, so something we're definitely looking at closely. But, you know, you, you reminded me of something, how difficult it is to forecast. You remember the old joke, why did God create um, economists? No, I don't know this joke, but I, I think it's going to suck. But go ahead, tell me anyway. To make weathermen look good. To make it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a few cent presentation. Very nice. It always gets a little chuckle there. So anyway, so that's a, that's a good one. So, John, yeah, I mean, you know, we've got. Two economists walking down the street. One says oh. to the other, how's your family? Mm -hmm. And the other one says, relative to what? 
We could go all day. That's Maybe right. we should do a special <laughs> podcast. Right now, people are crashing jokes. their cars and well, falling off the treadmill because they're laughing so I'm hard. I'm looking at it. We've <laughs> only got about a minute to go. So, John, you know, yeah, like you said, I mean, it is very unique what's happening uh, globally with the pandemic that's taking place. By the way, an epidemic is only one continent. A pandemic is two continents or more. That's something I guess I, I learned recently. Yeah, nickel knowledge, um, Cliffy yeah, Clavin. There you go. Well there done. You go. I'm ready for Jeopardy now. Bring on um, Ken, Ken Jennings, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, John, I had fun this week. You can go ahead and bring us home. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Always appreciate your input. And yes, uh, recognize that uh, we entered as investors domestically and globally. We were in a complacent opportunity. Iran was enough to do it. Impeachment was enough to do it. But coronavirus certainly was. So the first two C's, complacency, coronavirus. Can we have a possibility for correction? Absolutely. Uh, When you think about we're only down 3% from uh, the January 17th, January 18th, I think was Mm -hmm. the peak on the S&P 500. But uh, if that were to occur, we're looking at your historically average, even even a pullback, because the classic definition, Ryan, for a correction is 10%, exactly. is it not? That is correct. So mm-hmm. we're looking, we'll call it a pullback 5%. in that 5 to 7% right. range, and uh, headlines would suggest otherwise, but just keep that in mind that uh, it is a healthy process. We've not had one in quite a while, and uh, when we look at what the, the, the stance of the Fed, what we just saw in this morning's manufacturing report, corporate guidance, not necessarily fourth quarter earnings, but corporate guidance for 2020, and then factoring in a Fed standing at the ready. If we see anything in that 5 to 7 type percent range pullback, uh, uh, I think that would be a, a positive development for investors. So we'll continue to focus on the fundamentals. Anything supporting GDP, inflation, interest rates, employments, and corporate profitability will always mm-hmm. be our focus during periods of duress. I uh, want you to know that we'll be looking forward. We'll be monitoring stuff all week, and we'll be looking forward to being on this uh, podcast with you next week. And we'll see we'll see what happens with uh, ISMs and how the market responds and certainly uh, the employment report on Friday. So thank you, everyone. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. The opinion voice in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.